Hello, and welcome to Intrust. My name is Rick Kitagawa. And my name is Lisa Lambert. And thanks for joining us for our show about the most valuable asset today, trust. Today, we are stoked to be speaking with Jade Waterman, a serial entrepreneur, strategic consultant, business coach, and marketer extraordinaire. She recently joined Accenture, where she is helping grow their cloud services initiatives. Jade, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. I need you to just follow me around and be my hype man everywhere you go. I loved the intro. Happy to be your entourage, Jade. <laughs> and Jade, for folks who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Sure. So I, I've i done a little bit of everything, which it hurts me in some ways and helps me in others. But I have loved in the past working with small to medium businesses and helping them find new paths of revenue, new product lines, and taking those things to market. And I've recently made the jump over to the big business of Accenture, and I'm really excited to help them grow some of their cloud initiatives, as, as Rick mentioned. And outside of that, I coach for Seth Godin, which is how I know you guys, for a couple of his workshops. And I've started my own businesses several times, which is always fun and scary and courageous and heartbreaking, all, all mixed together. And that's pretty much it. I mean, I live in Southern California, which is beautiful, and I'm obsessed with my Boston Terrier dog. That's such a great intro. I love that. So Jade, over the years, in kind of that broad range of experiences you talked about, it's looking at your resume, and feel free to correct us if we're wrong, but it seems like you've really honed in on marketing and strategic problem solving. And could you tell us a bit more about where you see the connection between those two in terms of the, the difference making and the work that you do? Yeah. Great question, by the way. I, I do not think I'm a good marketer. I think when people hear the word marketing, they think PR, advertising, social media, things like that. And that is not where my expertise lies. I can do those things. I can project manage those things, but I like finding the nuance of where businesses might be missing opportunities. And so maybe it's the way that they are thinking about a problem is somewhat outdated, or they know that their brand has some equity and they would like to figure out how to monetize that better. I have honed the ability to be able to come in and ask some questions uh, to the humans, right? Like we're all humans that have emotions that drive us in business to figure out where to optimize some of those business procedures. And so th that kind of falls under the marketing umbrella, marketing and sales. And I haven't figured out a good way to put that yet. So if you guys ever hone in on that, please let me know. But yeah, I ultimately I help businesses make more money and that makes everyone happy. I think, I think that's a superpower and something that all businesses are striving for in that. And you really dialed in your expertise in that space. And I'm, I'm curious, what makes that niche, that area important to you? I think there is this wonderful place of ideation that I like to live in, where if you can dream it, you can do it. And a lot of organizations are hampered by their core business. That's kind of where they have to stick and that's what people know them as. And I've been given the freedom to be able to come in and think outside that box for them. 
And I love that. That's exciting and interesting to me. And it allows me to use my mind in a strategic way. And I think too, that's where, yeah, I just don't think that a lot of people operate in that mindset in their day-to-day business, right? Like if you're doing something for so long, you kind of have a a lens that you see the world in. And if someone can come in and turn the problem upside down or can think about it a little differently, usually that opens and unlocks some new insights. And so I like to be able to be that person to do that. Now, I'm not always perfect at it, but I think once you're in that world for so long in whatever business you're in, from small to large, you have specific assumptions on how that business should be run and the problems that people are facing. And if someone can come in and somewhat challenge those assumptions or force you to think about them differently, a lot of times there's opportunity in that. And that's kind of where I live. And I recognize I'm talking about this in a very kind of 30,000 foot view, but I don't know how to describe it any, any differently than that. Diving a little bit even more with that strategy, as a serial entrepreneur, as you are, uh, you've created a digital marketing ad- agency as well as an investing startup. And you've also taken, going back to that leadership role, right? You've taken multiple executive and senior leadership roles really aimed at helping grow other people's businesses. And like you said, you're really good at helping companies make more money. So how do you feel like trust really comes into play in the work that you do? I mean, I I think it's huge. I think a lot of emotions can be boiled down to either love or fear. And while I have taken some risks and started businesses and, and, and done those things, I still tend to operate from a fear mindset a lot. And I hate that, right? Like that's something that I'm actively working on for myself. And I think a lot of people come from that place of scarcity right? Of, of being afraid of change, of the unknown. It's the devil you know versus the devil you don't, right? A lot of people won't leave a job they hate for years just because of fear. And for me personally, I think some of that stems from generational trauma, not to get too woo-woo, but the scarcity mindset of taking risks that have not panned out well in generations prior. But I think when you can move into a more love-centered thought process and decision-making framework, trust is at the heart of that. Trust for yourself and that you're going to catch yourself when you make some of these decisions. And then when you are authentic with others, it's a lot easier for them to trust you to make good decisions for them as well. This is super interesting. And I want to dig a little bit deeper into this. So something that comes to mind as you're saying, kind of shifting that it's almost a shift in mindset from love to fear. And an example that comes to mind for me is making a decision because you're afraid of losing your customers or flipping that around and making a decision because you love your customers and you're so excited for them. Is that, would that be an example that resonates with you? Or can you tell us a little bit more about how you're reframing or or shifting your posture between fear and love and building trust? Sure. Honestly, I think it's perspective on where we are in the universe, right? Like I've, I, this sounds so silly, but you know, there's things that you know, and then there's things that you know. And I have known for a while that I am this speck of dust 
on a giant spinning rock out in the universe that has a very short lifespan in the grand scheme of things. And what I do maybe impacts the people around me in the short term, but in the grand scheme of things really doesn't matter. And I've known that, right, in theory and in science and, and whatnot for a while, but that is finally starting to resonate in my soul of life is so short and precious and and being unhappy is not worth it. And so when I'm talking about some of the generational trauma and risk, I had a grandfather who had a very stable and lucrative corporate job and he left to go start a business and was not smart about it. Like he didn't think it through. It wasn't just that he made that decision, but he made the decision poorly. And that cost his family a lot of his time, energy, money, and they had to live on very simple means for a long time. Six kids where if you weren't the first to sit at the table, you didn't eat. And so his kids, my aunts and uncles and parents took very secure jobs, usually government jobs with a pension that they hated. They hated with a passion. They, they, hated getting up to go to work every morning, but they were afraid to leave because it was like these golden handcuffs of benefits and pension and security. And they were really talented artists and, you know, makers. And they didn't trust themselves enough to go follow their dreams. And it killed their spirits in a lot of ways. And I just decided I didn't want to be that person, but I find myself still feeling those feelings, right? Like we all have that fear of, how we're making decisions of for money or for family or for time or for whatever that kind of pro con list we make in our head turns out to be. And so for me, I'm just trying to have that perspective more in life lately on it is very short and time is very precious. And if we can make decisions that are less fear-based and more love and trust, especially in ourselves, trusting, life tends to be happier. And so that's kind of what I mean by that. And I know that that is very woo-woo. And, and of course, that then translates to customers, as you mentioned, Lisa. You know, when we make those decisions for ourselves, then we're more likely to make them for other people around us too, right? Take care of ourselves first before we can take care of others. But that's kind of the perspective that I'm shifting into, or at least trying to more. I love that overall framework of how you're thinking about it's not worth it to be unhappy. And do you feel like that mindset shift is what's built the trust that you have in yourself as you go about your work? Or how would you describe that you've built the trust that you've needed to build to start your own venture and especially fight back against that generational trauma that you've experienced? I mean, I haven't always had it, but I've found a few things that help me get there faster. When I am insanely busy running from one thing to the next, working a lot, I have a hard time finding that like seed of truth within me. And so I try to give myself time and space to be bored, to do a crossword puzzle in the park, to sit, to not watch TV, to turn off devices, to, yeah, to be ultimately bored. And and a lot of times in nature too, that's another one. I'll walk a lot. And so when I am bored, that that is when that voice comes out a lot. Sometimes I have to force it on myself, right? And so people always say, why do I always have 
ideas while I'm in the shower or while I'm driving when I can't write things down. And it's because that's, our mind is on autopilot then. And that's when it can like run with its thoughts and, and be a little bored. And so that's how I'll find time and space. If I need to, I'll take a long drive, but it's in those moments of quiet. That's when I find that, that love centered decision-making when I'm go, go, going, there's a lot of anxiety and fear and lack of trust for self in those moments. And that's usually when I'm looking for it outside of myself, right? Words of affirmation or acceptance from others versus accepting myself. And so then I have to kind of get centered again. Um, And that's when I realize those are the moments I can take the risk. But a lot of times outside of that, I, I don't feel those things. I think that's such a powerful reminder to slow down and just make space for ourselves and to kind of probe and explore and be curious and reflect. And I, I'd love to invite you to, to kind of look at that a little bit in the lens as you've been leading and, and growing organizations and helping lead and grow other organizations as well. And I'm curious in that context, when you've got team, you've got other people, and there's a lot of pressure to go fast. How do you navigate that uncertainty and that risk? in those contexts? Leadership is an interesting one. I had a moment not too long ago where my anxiety and my fear had gotten the better of me. And it came out sideways with people that I was leading. And I realized I was putting a lot of pressure and anxiety on them. And that didn't make them any more productive. (laughs) You know, I had to step back and go, what I am doing is probably making the outcomes that I want to happen less likely. And so I had to really examine that and force myself to say, hey, what is the worst that could happen here? How can I reframe what I need from them and how I'm asking them to get these things done and to set better expectations for them to achieve these things? Uh, So I don't seem like I'm coming from a place of fear. And when I shifted into a more relaxed mindset and a more relaxed leadership style, Everything that I wanted to happen came to fruition for them and they were happier and I was happier. And so it's not easy, right? Like we're all running a million miles an hour, hopefully in business, right? You're hopefully productive and and busy and profitable and all of those things that you want to be. But I heard a great podcast video clip by Derek Sivers and he was talking about how he biked the same path every day. And he just put his head down and he muscled through it and pedaled as fast as he could. And he was sweating everywhere. And every day it was the same amount of time. It was like three minutes and it was probably longer than that. Let's say seven minutes and 26 seconds. And finally, one day he just slowed down and he pedaled normally and he got to experience the environment around him, the trees and the birds and the waves crashing along the beach. And he timed himself then. And it literally only added, I think 12 seconds or something like that. I'm butchering the story, but you get the idea. And he got so much more out of that ride where he got to enjoy himself. He got to enjoy nature and his surroundings. And it really didn't change the outcome. And I've thought about that a lot, where if the posture changes to a trust centered posture, um, a more love centered posture to a relaxed place, chances are the outcome won't be very different, potentially even better than coming from a fear-based place. And so that's what I try to remember as a leader is that everyone is dealing with their own things. And 
the more that you put stress on them, the more they're going to put it on the people in their lives. And, and we will continue that. That's not even generational trauma at that point. That is like real in real time trauma. And it's not worth it for anyone. It's it life's far too short to do that to people. So it's not necessarily slowing down. It's just reframing your approach because people will respond better to love than fear. You catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. I'm super grateful that you shared this, Jade. It's giving me quite a, a response. I can feel in my body because I remember back to some specific times as well. I remember quite quite well when I was leading in some context and the pressure was high and I was feeling the squeeze and I was putting that onto my team as well. And it wasn't happy for, for anybody. And looking back on that, when I caught myself as well, that if I would have come from that place of love instead and eased up relaxed a little bit more. I think one, we would have had such better perspective on what we were doing instead of kind of looking at, we need to go through the motions and kind of tick the boxes and we could be strategic and we could assess and we could listen a heck of a lot more. And I know it's tough to move, to shift out of that, especially when that is the status quo. That's how you're used to operating and everyone around you is used to operating that way. And you've countered that and you have this deep self-awareness in what you do and how you go about leading as well as this humility that comes with that too. And I'm, I'm interested in how you've come to cultivate that or catch yourself in those moments. So you can take that step back and relax and see the bigger picture. Thank you for the kind words. I'm, I struggle with it like everyone else does though. And I think that's the hardest part is stopping that cycle, right? If you're getting pressure from above or from other outside influences, your clients, your, your bosses, it's very easy to continue to pass that on. And the biggest thing that I have found is constant reflection. I think a lot of leaders are really afraid to face their blind spots. I am a coach, but I have coaches too. I have mentors that I talk to. I see a therapist regularly and I believe all of that is really important, right? There's this misnomer that there's gotta be something wrong with you to have a coach or a therapist. And I think everyone <laughs> should have both because if you're trying to better yourself, everyone around you feels it and, and it trickles on down. And so for me, it's examining blind spots and thinking about times where I wasn't happy with my reaction. And it really is a reaction at that point. And figuring out when you're triggered again, how to react differently. And there have been times where I'm in situations where there isn't the opportunity to change that. And that's when I have to decide to get out of it, right? Like a toxic environment or a toxic workplace, those exist out there. And there's no amount of money that anyone should be paid to stay in that situation. And, and having to make that decision is always a tough one to leave and to get out of that cycle. But in normal situations, there's always going to be that kind of pressure and stress in the business world. And I think it's just about really examining yourself constantly and, and looking for blind spots and, and asking those around you how you can be a better leader for them, whether that's, you, you know, your superiors or the people that you're managing, because leadership isn't the same as management at that point. So I don't really have a, you know, tactical solution for that, but 
just know if you're feeling that internally, the people around you are feeling it too. People sense that stuff. And so, I mean, if you want to help people around you, the best thing you can do is help yourself. I love that so much, Jade. I think there's a lot of wisdom about putting on the oxygen mask first, right? You know, helping yourself before you can then help others. And the, I think, exponential effect as a leader that you have by making sure that you're in a good place in order to help empower everyone else to be in a good place as well. And I would love to know if you'd have any practical advice in general to anyone really looking to maybe make a big decision. Because I think we've we've talked a lot about decision making, whether that's starting a business or leaving a, you know, cushy golden handcuff job or calling it quits on a business or any, any big change or risk. Um, how, how do you go about decision-making and, and what would you offer to someone else who is looking at that decision and wavering a little bit? Sure. That's tough. I, I'm not saying that you should quit your even golden handcuff job to go underwater basket weave tomorrow, right? Like, <laughs> you know, don't, don't make a dumb decision, make it have have risk, but have it be educated risk. I think for me, options are always a good thing. And if you can create multiple options in life, right? Like, let's say you're evaluating between two jobs if you can get to that place, that's a good place to be when you have, when you have options. And then outside of that, I, I think like in terms of the framework of making a decision, then with, within those options, once again, going to get quiet and being bored and think about what comes up for me, I've really been focusing on the body lately. Right. Like I think how we feel in the body is so telling and I'm really bad at that. I stay in the mind a lot and my mind spins and I, I am an anxious person. Right. And so that's something that I've had to really work to tamp down. And so just kind of seeing what comes up in my feelings in the body helps me make a decision. I mean, I'm a good old fashioned pro con list maker. And I think living on the uncomfortable edge is really important in life. That's where I've always found the most growth. When I am on that, when I, I am slightly uncomfortable about what I'm about to do, whether it's give a speech or coach someone, or when the internal dialogue starts, wow, am I qualified enough? Do I know what I'm doing? Right? Like, or I don't, I don't know what I'm doing is usually what the voice tells us, whether right or wrong. It's that edge of things where I think there's like real value in learning. And so if there's a decision that makes you slightly uncomfortable yet excited, that's, that's kind of like where I lean. But a lot of times it takes me getting quiet. It takes me seeing what comes up in my mind and my body and, you know, taking some notes on those things in order to make a decision that I think fits me best. A long time ago, I had a friend tell me, write down the 10 most important things to you in a job. This is when I was job searching. And he said, but really be serious about it, right? It's probably not, I need to make a million dollars. It's, I need to make a living wage where I'm not stressed about money. But funny enough, like when I detailed those things out, money wasn't at the top of my list, right? There were other things that were more important. And 
And I think taking the time to figure out what's really and truly important to you. Is it time? Is it freedom? Is it leadership? Is it whatever comes next after that, right? Like what's the stepping stone to get you where you really want to go? I think thinking about all of those things that are truly important to you and seeing how you feel about them all can help guide you to a solid decision. But I would always say like, if you're, if you're really comfortable, that's probably not the best place to be. Like try to make yourself a little uncomfortable and curious. I think that's an enticing, enticing invitation for those who are, who are yearning to learn and grow and stretch and strive. And we mentioned at the top of the show, you recently made a leap over to join the Accenture team. And I'm curious, I'm guessing this is one where you felt you were you were on the edge with this too. Um, but I'm just curious, what's what's coming up for you? If there's anything you can share. Yeah, good question. This will be the first time I've worked at a very large corporation. So I have nerves just as anyone would of all of those things that humans think about, right? The imposter syndrome and fear of the unknown and fear of change. But at this point, I've worked through a lot of that and I'm, I'm really excited to learn from a lot of people who are incredibly smart and talented and to be surrounded by that kind of net of, of capability. And I also think too that Within that team, there are so many different initiatives and exciting things happening within, especially the tech world, that it offers a lot of ability to work with other people internally on things that I am interested in, whether that's strategy, whether that's consulting, whether that's being more technically savvy, it will afford me a lot of opportunities to learn. Well, we are so excited to see what you come up with these next few in this next journey of your career and and after jade where can people find out more about you if they want to learn more you can visit my website at jadewaterman.com and that will get you to any of my socials from there fantastic we will be sure to put that in the show notes Jade, thanks so much for sitting down with us, for joining us today. Thank you, guys. It was wonderful to see you both. Thanks, Jade. And all right, folks, thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this conversation, please join us again next time for In Trust. Thanks for listening to the InTrust podcast. And if this resonated with you, be sure to subscribe or follow and leave us a review. We would also love for you to share with a friend because after all, trust is an infinite game and it's better together. And now a quick word from our sponsors. There's a lot of uncertainty about the future, but one thing we are sure about is that the future is trust, which also happens to be the title of our forthcoming book, the Future is Trust, a practical approach to becoming a trust-centered leader will be dropping in late spring of this year. We are so excited to bring this reimagination of what a leadership book can be. Stay up to date on book launch details, special previews, exclusive pre-order specials, and more by visiting thefutureistrust.com.